September 21st, 2017. January 25th, 2018. Both epic dates that you heard nothing about. CNN didn't carry it. Fox News didn't carry it. And even our local news didn't carry it. In my opinion, I believe these two dates are the most important dates in the history of the world. My world. Backstory. As a senior in high school, <clears throat> I was afforded an opportunity to try out for college baseball team here in Louisiana. And because of a knee injury in basketball, it derailed an opportunity to come my way. And so I had to sort of give up on my dream of playing college baseball or at least trying out for college baseball. And so it was a dream of mine for over 40 years to take the field and see what it's like at the next level. And on September 21st, 2017, and on January 25th, 2018, I took the field. In September, I had an opportunity to go practice with the UL baseball team. Thanks, a little bit of thanks from Lon and Ashley of pushing her dad a little bit. But it was, in fact, a dream of mine. It, it was a thrill of mine to go out there and to experience what I experienced. I took fielding practice, I shagged some fly balls, got to meet the guys and hang out with them. I walked away from there excited. And then again in January, got a phone call from the LSU E baseball coach, Coach Willis. And he said, Rob, he said, I, I hear your request that you want to come, you know, hang out with us for a little while. But he says, I see in your email uh, signature thing that you're a pastor. He says, Do you ever speak? <laughs> I knew where this was going. Yes, coach, I've actually done that before. He says, well, will you come speak to the kids? And I'm on the phone, and I'm just like doing cartwheels going, yes, yes, yes. Yes, coach, I'd be happy to. <clears throat> and so on that day, I arrived. <clears throat> it was a cool day in January. <laughs> And I got there, and just like at UL with your dad and the coaches, I was very warmly welcomed 
And uh, Coach Willis said, well, Rob, he says, um, you know, he says, uh, you, you said you wanted to practice. So we're going to practice you. I said, bring it on, coach. And so they put me through drills. They uh, let me take batting practice. Made some fielding uh, opportunities at second base and in the outfield. Did some throwing with the players and had a grand old time. And then he said, Rob, in a couple minutes, the floor will be yours. And I'm here tonight to not tell you about how the practice went. But I'm here tonight to tell you the most beautiful sight in all the world of what I saw. As soon as practice, the logistics of the practice had ended, he called all the players into the dugout. Some were sitting on the concrete floor, some were on the actual dugout bench. And I stood there and saw the most beautiful sight in all the world. And I've seen some pretty impressive sights. Michelle and I have had the wonderful opportunity in South America of waking up to the Andes Mountains from our hotel window. We've walked the streets of Rome and seen the, the Roman Colosseum and, and such gorgeous sights. We walked the beaches of Spain and, and, and put our feet in the Mediterranean Sea and at sunset. We've driven on the, the Pacific Coast Highway in California. But they do not compare to what I saw. I hope I can get through this because I had 30 young men looking intently at me. They didn't budge. They didn't fidget. They were locked in my eyes. And I said, Lord, to myself, you've given me 15 minutes. It's my prayer. And Lord, just help me make it count. The Lord did give me a very clear and distinct message a few days prior. But the sight that I saw was like little baby birds being fed by their mama bird. I could have said boo and they would have probably applauded. And I started out the, the, the little message. I said, how many of you want to be successful? And of course, naturally, they all raised their hand. Even the coaches were like, yeah, we want to be successful too. And I said, no, no, no. I said, I, I, I really want to know how many of you want to be successful. <laughs> okay, Mr. Rob, you're making me raise my hand again. What's going on here? And I asked him a third time and a fourth time because I wanted to know how many truly want to be successful. Now, they thought 
I was thinking mainly on the baseball diamond. And I said, no, no, no. It's not only the baseball diamond, but it's in your life. 18 and 19-year-olds raising their hand to say, I want to be successful. And then I proceeded to tell them and give them the secret to being a success. And I gave it to them as an acronym because baseball people are weird and geeky. And I'm one of them. Right, Brother Mike? Because we like acronyms. E-R-A-W-H-I-P-G-I-D-P. And those of you that are baseball you know what I'm talking about. And I said, how many of you want to be successful? And I said, I'm going to give it to you right now. One secret. Forget about what the world says is success. I'm going to end it right here tonight and tell you truly of how to be successful. And I said, it's called MTA. In fact, you say that right now, MTA. MTA. And they looked at me like they had Mesh's donut glaze over their eyes. <laughs> and I was waiting for it. Again, they're 18 and 19-year-olds, and you had the same glaze too. And then I quickly explained to them what it meant. The secret to success in life, no matter what area of life you want to have success in, is you got to make the adjustment. And I proceeded to tell them three examples of three young men that I mentored years ago at separate times of my life. Two of them were UL athletes. One of them was a major league pitcher. And I proceeded to tell them that each one of these young men were at a crossroad in their life. They were searching and seeking for success, but they were having difficulty, not only on the field, but also personally in their life. So I gave them the example of the first one. His name was Lance, and I'm not going to go into details uh, and give you all the names because you might know one of them. But Lance actually worked for me, and Lance was a quarterback for the UL football team but he was a third-string quarterback. And one day when he came to work, I could tell something was going on. Lance, what's, what's up, man? He said, Mr. Rob, he said, you know, I've been third-string quarterback for three solid years, and I'm about to go into my senior year. And he said, I'm just going to be simply labeled a third-string quarterback. I get zero playing time. He said, I run the practice team, the scout team, during practice time to mimic what the other team does. And I said, Lance, do you want to be successful? Heard that before? And basically I said, Lance, you're going to have to make an adjustment <clears throat> because you know what? Football is going to end very soon and you're going to be faced with graduation and what, what's going to be your next step. And he looked at me like, what are you talking about? Because you see, life had only been sports. 
I said, what you're going to have to do, Lance, is you're going to have to make some adjustments. This is what I want you to do. I want you to practice as if you're the first string quarterback. I want you to be there first. I want you to be there and, and leave last and do whatever the coaches say. And I want you to start developing some character in your life. And look at it as sort of getting ready for your next job promotion, which is going to be what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And he took the challenge. There were some bumps and bruises along the way, but he took the challenge. And the last I heard, Lance was in Houston working for a major oil company, and he had climbed the corporate ladder. He got married, and he had a couple kids. And I would say that he became successful because he made some adjustments in his life and didn't let being a third, being labeled as a third-string quarterback get him down. The next young man was more recent. In fact, he attended here at Family Life for a number of years. He played on the UL tennis team. And he and I would go play tennis sometimes after he had graduated. And it was some of the most precious times that I've ever had with anybody. Because we would play for like 30 or 45 minutes and we would sit down for an hour or two because he had some questions. He wanted some answers. Now, he did see some success on the court, but once he was done with his playing career, he struggled. He told me about one particular relationship with a former coach when he was a junior, or excuse me, in junior tennis before he came to UL and what his coach had done to him. And it was so devastating that it caused almost every other relationship in his life to struggle. And so I said, Carlin, you're going to have to make the adjustment. Well, what do you mean? I said, you're going to have to forgive. His next question was, is how do I do that? Well, let me tell you how. Is it going to be easy? No. I got a text from Carlin about three weeks ago. I said, hey, man, love you. Love you too. How you doing? He said, Brother Rob, my life is going great. I'm teaching professional tennis at an academy in Houston. I'm getting involved in the church that I'm involved in. And thank you for those talks. And then the next one was a major league baseball pitcher who after two years or so in the major leagues threw out his arm and came back to Lafayette. He struggled because he felt like he had no purpose because again, a little round baseball had become his life.
and he struggled because he didn't know what he was going to do with his life. In fact, he came here and worked for us for a little while, and I had some opportunities to talk to him. It wasn't many, but I took advantage. And once again, I said, do you want to be successful? And so I just simply helped him and coached him, and, and I didn't do a lot with him because not long after, he did get married and he moved to Atlanta. Started working for a major corporation there and started having some children. And the last I heard, he was doing good. You see, all three men were faced with a struggle in their life. And I just simply took some time with each one of them. And so I'm explaining this to these 30 young men in this dugout. And the great news is, is that when they heard that they were able to overcome, I could see a little bit of relief in their eyes, in their demeanor, if that makes any sense, because they had no clue where I was going <laughs> with this message. And I want to let you know that in those 15 minutes, I believe it was the most powerful thing I've ever done in my life. I don't know the extent of the impact. I'm not worried about that. My goal that night was just simply to plant a seed. One of the young men, after I spoke, came up to me privately. I became Mr. Rob to all of them. <laughs> he was my little cheerleader when we were doing the drills. My first uh, at-bat, I haven't swung a bat in probably 25 or 30 years. My first at-bat was a line drive over the shortstop. And he's like, Mr. Rob, go ahead, man, woo, man. He was all excited for me. He was the one who came up after. And he said, Mr. Rob, he said, I've never heard anything like that before in my life. And on the way home, I was excited and I was crying. I was excited and I was crying. I called my wife and my daughter. They happened to be together and they were like, Dad, calm down. We can't understand you. You're screaming. I said, yes, I know. Both experiences were incredible, not only at LSUE, but at UL, and I'll never forget them. But here's the, the crux of what I told them. In, I only had 15 minutes, so I had to make it count. I felt like I had to go there. Again, they thought I was talking about success on the baseball field. But I turned third base, and I was headed for home plate because I wanted to seal the deal. And I said, young men, I said, you're going to be faced with a lot of things, whether it's in school, whether it's with uh, divorced parents. 
maybe a struggle in your life with maybe a girlfriend or maybe a sibling. And so I went there, maybe an addiction that you can't overcome. And I looked at each one of them and I said, you're going to have to make some adjustments starting right now, today, tonight. I said, you might have to learn how to forgive. The coach had explained to me before uh, we kind of got started. He says, you know, Rob, many of these young men, they get so much pressure from parents and, and, and the expectations are so high on these young men that they get here just simply in shambles. And so I went there too. It, it was like, you know, you ever had a bruise and, and you somebody came and poked you and it hurt? <laughs> That's what it was like for them. I, I went there and I could tell they, they went from very respectful to like they were squirming because I knew I was hitting on some, some hot buttons in their life. Again, they're only 18 and 19 year old. And I just simply assured them if that if they make some adjustments in their life, they're going to find success. And so I offered some very practical things to them, and they listened, and they ate it up. And so I look at you tonight in the dugout of life. My intent tonight is to poke the bruise a little bit. Some of you may have been dealing with things in your past that have been gripping you and holding you back. If I asked you right now, would you want to be successful? A lot of you would say yes, but there would be some. I can't reach success, Rob, because of fear. Maybe people-pleasing. I can't reach success, Rob, because depression has wreaked in my family. It's a generational curse. Some of you have battled addictions all your life, and you just seem that you, you, just, you just can't break it. Maybe you've experienced some abuse in your life, maybe a parent who told you you would never amount to anything. Maybe you experience loneliness. Maybe you experience prejudice. Maybe you experience just the feeling of so much inadequacy that it, it just grips you and you, you can't function. Maybe you've experienced the aftermath of divorce of your parents. Maybe you've experienced the aftermath of divorce that you were involved in. Maybe there needs to be some adjustments in your marriage. Maybe the way you communicate one to another. Could it be that you have not been able to reach success in a relationship with your father or mother because what has happened in the past? 
Have I touched a sore bruise tonight? Some will say, well, what, Rob, was the premise of your message to these young men? Well, where, where did you get that? And, and, and I didn't hear anything about the Bible. The premise was the Apostle Peter. Someone who struggled. The man cut off an ear of a servant. The man rebuked Jesus because of Jesus talking about his own death. Peter was the one who denied Jesus how many times? Three times. His life was not without struggle. He was in the dugout of life from the very beginning. But here's the good news. Jesus didn't give up on him. In fact, he said, you know what? We're going to change your name. And it's going to be rock. In fact, we're going to build the church upon the rock, upon the foundation of what we're trying to do here. And then you go, you know, that's in the Gospels. We, we see it all over the place of, of his struggles. He was, in a, he was a disciple. He was one of the close friends of Jesus. A man who struggled. I'm sure like you and I, he had issues with his parents and other things going on in his life. But then you get to Acts and you see a different Peter. In fact, I'm going to go through them kind of quickly. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 15 and 16, this is Peter. It says, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. We see him a little bold here, but not bold like we see previously in the Gospels. Acts 2, 14 and 15, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jesus and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. You don't hear anything about him rebuking Jesus, do you? In Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. It goes on even further in Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently 
that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. And then we skip down to Acts chapter 3. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He says, walk. Taking him by his right hand, this is Peter, he got him up. He helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And this is where it gets very interesting. In his own writings, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13, now this is Peter. The dude was erratic, he was arrogant, he was all over the place. He was, he was a little pushy, he was brass, he was, he was kind of in your face kind of a guy. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, come on, he cut off a man's ear. Look what he says in 1 Peter. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Come on, Peter, really? That's not who you are. And then he says in verse 17, this is, this is funny to me. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers Fear God, honor the emperor. Does that sound like the Peter you and I know from the Gospels? And look what it says in 1 Peter 5, verse 6. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And then finally, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, he says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Wow. We see humbleness submissiveness what happened to our Peter you see a little more gentler person here don't you would y'all agree as opposed to come here give me your ear Hmm. I wonder what adjustment Peter made in his life to go from the brass and just the arrogant in-your-face guy to now he's saying, submit, humble yourself, fellow Israelites. Well, I think I know why. Very last conversation that Jesus has with Peter. It's in the book of John, chapter 21. It says this, and again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, 
do you love me? Peter answered, he says, yes, Lord. Do you know that I love you? And then Jesus said his final words to Peter that we have recorded. He says, Peter, I I need for you to do something. He said, take care of my sheep. Now, this is just my opinion. It's not the gospel of Rob. But I believe that Peter made an adjustment to be successful right here because Jesus put some responsibility on him and said, look, Peter, I need for you to care for the sheep. I've been teaching you. I've been training you. I've been giving you all the tools and the resources to be successful. It's now time that you're going to have to make some adjustments in your life. Peter, when you, when, you, when you build a church, you're going to have some people that are going to rub you the wrong way. Don't break out your sword and chop their ear off. You can't do that to the sheep. You won't have anybody coming back to listen to you preach. In fact, Doug, if you could go to that verse that I skipped on purpose... Acts chapter 2, verse 36 and 41. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. This is Peter talking. He says, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And look what happened. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. He says, Save yourselves from the corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. You think Jesus knew what he was doing when he said, Peter, you're going to be the one I'm going to start the church with, buddy. You're going to have to make some adjustments. And look what happened immediately when he makes the adjustment. When the responsibility got placed on him to take care of the sheep, I think he went home to his wife and said, baby, we're going to have to make some adjustments, not only in our marriage, but in our lives, because I've been given the responsibility to to do something, and that is to take care of the sheep. And so I ask you tonight, Is there something that you need to take care of? Is there something that you need to take responsibility of? Is there something that you need to make some adjustments in your life about? I'm not here to... make you feel uncomfortable. I'm here to just simply say... Take the step of faith 
And if you want to find some success in your marriage, you're going to have to take the first step and make an adjustment. And some of the stuff I'm referring to is so practical. It, it could be, hey, baby, I, I need to talk to you. And your wife's going to fall on the floor. some very practical things in your life to make some adjustments. Maybe it's the way you communicate to each other. Maybe it's what you think of each other. I see all the married people squirming right now. Brother Francis used to say, was it uh, I'm here to make you sad, glad, or mad? <laughs> Maybe there, there's an adjustment that you need to make with your relationship with maybe one of your children or maybe with a parent. Can I encourage you just simply to take the first step and make the adjustment? And maybe when you leave here or maybe in the morning, take the first step and maybe give them a phone call. And say, hey, mom, dad, I love you. Or son, daughter, I love you. Maybe you've been b battling the, the, just the, the loneliness factor and you're depressed and you, and you just, the, the, you have no friends in life. Can I encourage you to take the next step and make the adjustment? And on Sunday, when you see that life group wall, Go find a life group. They're not called dead groups. They're called life groups. Those of you that are feeling that way, you need some fellowship in your life. You need other people to converse with rather than a phone or a TV remote. And so I just encourage you. These are practical steps. You can do this. I can do this. Maybe you've been, been, been tormented for a very long time because of some things that have happened in your past. You're going to have to make the adjustments and rebuke Satan every single day because he's coming at you just as hard as you're trying to get after him, I can assure you. Maybe you've been battling fear. Maybe you've been just battling and battling and battling and you, you just seem like you, you repeat button keeps being hit. You're going to have to make some adjustments in your life. Maybe it's a coworker that you've been struggling with. Ask the Holy Spirit and say, I'm ready to make the adjustment. What do you want me to do? We just had a wonderful series. Do we have one more Sunday or is that one more Sunday of extraordinary relationships? Take the first step and make some sort of adjustment in your life, in your routine. Maybe it's anger. 
ask the Holy Spirit to tap on you when, when, when those thoughts come. He will help you. Amen? And I just want to say this and we're going to end. Maybe an adjustment is to stop doing what you've been doing because it's not working. Maybe you've been pointing the finger or blaming somebody else for the problem and you're not taking responsibility. You see, Jesus gave Peter a little bit of responsibility. He said, take care of him. And look what happened. He made some adjustments in his life and you see him get bold the right way. You see him speaking and speaking and speaking. And you also see him a changed man of saying, submit yourselves, humble yourselves. So you, we can only surmise that there was something that happened in his life. Of course, we know it's Jesus, right? And, and Jesus teaching him, but I know this, he made some adjustments. And so I encourage you just to remember, if you want to be successful, what do you have to do? Come on, people. If you want to be successful, you're going to have to do what? Make the adjustment. When I finished speaking to the team, <clears throat> something kind of interesting happened. <clears throat> the coach got up and he addressed them because the next night was their first game. And he gave them some instructions, what time to be here, what uniform to wear, and, and all of that. <clears throat> And so I had gone to one side of the dugout where the assistant coaches were, and, I, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm just kind of like getting my bag, and I had some Gatorade, and all of a sudden, I hear him shout, Wisdom! And it shocked me. I'm like, what in the world is this dude doing? And what I didn't know was is that he was basically asking the team, what did you just hear? one of the young men shouted back as loud as he could. Make the adjustment! And right then and there, I knew that I had closed the deal. I hope they remember that for the rest of their life because I will not forget it and I will not forget my experience at UL. Let me tell you, I was shown respect like I've never seen before at both places. It was yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. I know coaches get a lot of heat sometimes, but I'm telling you what, what I saw in those two incidences and those two experiences, was it just blew me away. It was a thrill of a lifetime for me to experience a lifelong dream. But most importantly, I was able to deliver a message 
And on the way home, I just said, Lord, make it stick, make it stick, make it stick. And I'm believing one day that one of these young men is going to give me a call and say, hey, Mr. Rob, do you have a few minutes? Because I want to talk. Amen. If you would, stand to your feet. I just want to encourage you. In fact, pass it around. Say, hey, make the adjustment. I could have given you 14 points, but I like it simple. As we say around here, we like the cookies on the bottom shelf so we can go grab them and get them and remember. And so I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know what you have experienced in your life. I don't know what struggles that you've encountered in life. I don't know what you dealt with today, but the Lord does. And so I just want to encourage you that success is just a, it's not a one-time event. You're going to have to get up tomorrow and make some adjustments. And then you're going to have to do it again on Friday and you're going to have to do it again on Saturday and you're going to have to do it again and again and again. Maybe it's something that you need to do, like maybe extending forgiveness to someone who has wronged you. I can't do that. Okay, well, you're just going to keep getting what you've gotten all these years. Maybe there's an internal struggle, something in your life. Can I just encourage you to make the adjustment? Maybe you haven't given your life to the Lord and you need to make that adjustment. Amen. I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes. You may say, Rob, I don't know what that means to give my life to the Lord. And I just want to pray with you tonight and say, well, if that is you, if you've never truly given your life totally, it's about a relationship. If you've never done that, I just encourage you tonight to make that adjustment. It's quite simple. All you got to do is just ask the Lord Jesus into your heart. If you can say, Rob, I need to make the adjustment of asking Jesus into my heart. If that's you, I just want to ask you to raise your hand so I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. How many of you, you can raise your head. How many of you would like to see some success in in areas of your life? If you would, just raise your hand. How many of you are willing to take the next step and make the adjustment? Can I tell you, it's a daily thing. It's not just a one night, I'll raise my hand. Yep, Lord saw it. No, it's a daily thing. In fact, what I want to do right now, if if you've been struggling with something and you need somebody to lay hands on you, I want you to come to the altar right now because I want to say a quick prayer and lay hands on every one of you. If you've been struggling with something that you say, Rob, I need to make an adjustment in this particular area, 
God's going to meet you here tonight supernaturally. If there's something that's been like a thorn in your side, something that you've been struggling with, something that is just, it's almost gotten to the point that it's been irritating you. Look, I've been there. Maybe Satan has been beating you up and beating you up and beating you up and beating you up. It's time to take the next step and make an adjustment. You might have to make an adjustment mentally. You might have to make an adjustment emotionally. You might have to take a next step of, of maybe again, looking at forgiveness. You might have to do it. It's time to say, you know what? I'm not gonna rely on somebody else. I'm gonna do it. Maybe, 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 maybe you need some tweaking in a relationship. I'm going to ask the altar team to come down now and start ministering. Those of you that are on the altar ministry team, go ahead and come on down. We're going to lay hands on everybody at the altar. We're going to lay hands and not leave anyone, leave anyone that's not going to get prayed for. We want to make sure that every single person down here is getting ministered to. And I just want to pray over you that, that the rest of you, I just encourage you to make the adjustment that God's going to meet you wherever you are. And so, Father, I pray your blessing, your blessing on the people that are here tonight. Lord, that somehow, Lord, somehow you will reach down. Somehow, Lord, you will touch their heart. Somehow, Lord, that the people of God are going to begin to make the adjustment in areas of their life. I pray your blessing on this congregation. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen, 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 amen. Thank you for coming. We're going to be down here ministering to these people.